Once more, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, open your word. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that our eyes may be enlightened and we may know the hope to which we have been called this day. We pray these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I would invite Brian Markle to come forward to be our scripture reader for today. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Our second reading will be from the Old Testament, Psalm 100, and it will be responsive. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Our next reading is from the New Testament. Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Our next reading is uh, from the New Testament, Matthew, verse, uh, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food? Are thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are cursed, Depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, What I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The sermon title this morning is, Is Become. Sermon titles are always odd things. Lisa had to phone me this week, and she was putting the final touches on the the bulletin, and go, Is the sermon title, Is Because, or Is Become, or is it just, become. It's is become, and there's a story behind it, which we will get to momentarily. Several years ago, just around this time of year, actually, early in November, the choir director of the choir in which I was singing at the time asked the members of the choir this question. How many people in this room have sung, are singing Messiah For the first time, we were just transitioning into our preparation for our December concert. And many of the people, and many people 
both audiences and choristers attending a performance of Handel's Messiah is part of that Christmas tradition. Now, for a number of the choristers, however, that were present in that rehearsal, they were, they were indeed preparing for their first Messiah. They had never sung this magnificent and huge work before. Many others were singing in their third or their fourth or their fifth. And then there were the long haulers. I did some quick mental math and determined that I had probably sung Messiah I could no longer remember. How many exactly? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 times over over 35 years. Now the highlight of Handel's Messiah is the Hallelujah Chorus. Most people know nothing else. They don't even care about anything else. They come for, for the Hallelujah Chorus. And indeed, choristers will sit in the choir and count the people who leave after the Hallelujah Chorus, even though it's not the end of the concert. The Hallelujah Chorus, though, for those of you who aren't quite familiar, who, who have never kind of put the work together, it is marks the end of the second part of this oratorio. It is puts an end, it is the period at the end of the death of Jesus. To be honest with you, it's not the most complex chorus. Over half of the words are hallelujah. So if you can say that, you can sing the hallelujah chorus, kind of. And yet it speaks of the triumph of Christ over death. And in amongst all of those hallelujah, hallelujahs, hallelujahs, you would be forgiven if you missed these words. And they just seem to slide by. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That's where the sermon title comes from is become. The kingdoms of the earth are become the kingdom of our Lord. Now, I'm sure Mr. McTagg, my grade 10 English teacher, could tell me the great significance of that conjugation of the verb to be so that we say is become and and not say has become, and I've forgotten all of that finery over the years. But it seemed fitting and appropriate that this morning we use that word, is become. Those words within the Hallelujah Chorus are a fitting affirmation because at the heart of our rejoicing as Christians, at the heart of all of the Alleluias that we sing, lies this one fact. The kingdom of this world has been superseded and is now become the kingdom of our Lord. We have been given a glimpse of that very moment when Jesus is enthroned in glory. That's how this apocalyptic vision of the end of time is introduced to us this morning from Matthew's Gospel. The reading that Brian has just read for us is an enthronement story. Note carefully how the text begins. 
the, be- the reading from Matthew begins by referring to Jesus as the Son of Man. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then they will see, they will sit, sorry, he will sit on the throne in his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another. The sheep from, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say, Introduced as the Son of Man, Jesus quickly is acknowledged as the king of the kingdom of God who sits enthroned upon God's judgment seat and judges sheep from goats. In its context in scripture, this reading from Matthew's gospel stands as a startling juxtaposition. In the story of Jesus Christ as it is presented by Matthew, today's reading is the last public teaching of Jesus. These are the last words that Jesus gives to the crowd. By the end of the next chapter, chapter 26, Jesus has celebrated the Passover with his disciples. He has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and he has been tried in the court of the high priest. As all of these events unfold, we are witnesses to Jesus' struggle against the kingdoms of this earth and those who strive for power. And in the end, It is he who seems most vulnerable, who becomes the most exalted. In this morning's text, we are confronted by the needs of our world, the hungry and those who thirst, those who are alone and lonely, the poor and the sick and the imprisoned. And in the manner in which we respond to each of those people, Jesus says to us, we reveal how we truly relate to God. Once more, Jesus turns this idea of kingdom upside down. It's not so much about power as it is about humility. It's not so much about who will serve us and more about how we will serve others. The kingdom of God is indeed, according to Matthew, the Beatitudes from chapter 5, fulfilled. A kingdom whose hallmark is justice and righteousness. The year 2020, I feel fairly safe to say, will go down in the annals of history. And yet, even before covid was a thing, changes were afoot. We've just forgotten all about anything that happened beforehand. Before COVID, 2020 began, if you can remember, with a rail blockade here in Ontario in support of First Nations issues in British Columbia. And some had thought that this indeed might be the moment when injustice and equality of the last 400 years of colonization 
and the reality of unsettled land claims might actually be resolved by the federal government. Primarily in the United States, but nonetheless, I would suggest, in Canada and other Western democracies, the year 2020 has seen the rise of the Black Lives Matter protest and the acknowledgement of violence and systemic racism as a result of the killing of George Floyd by police in Minnesota and many others. And then came COVID, which, in addition to the general upset that it has caused in all of our lives, has shown the susceptibility of people of race to the disease, has revealed the inequality of the most precarious in the employment system to isolate and avoid social contact, and often the issues of race and economic status and employment conspire together. The question for the church in 2020 The question for the church in every age is how can such inequality, exploitation, and xenophobia exist while Christ sits upon his throne? And the answer is, it can't. Granted, the challenges are immense. And often the things that confront us in our world are overwhelming and we just put our hands up in the air and we go, I don't know how to deal with this. Like so many, we know that the board is shifted toward those who hold power. And yet we also know that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. A kingdom in which justice and righteousness will prevail. So what is it then? that we can do. Each of us is called to do what we can. Perhaps you will not be able to throw the great military industrial complex or to address the the economic disparities that exist in our society, stemming the tide of greed that seems to institutionalize those who are in poverty. But we can act with compassion in our lives. We can move toward people in simple ways. We can feed the hungry and slake the the thirst of those who are parched. We can welcome those who are different from us, seeing not their needs but their common humanity, the humanity that unites us all as being created in the image of God. We can visit those who are alone and those who are in distress and all the while upholding the vision of a broader, a greater, a more just, a more equitable world. Then and only then can we enter into the kingdom that God has prepared for us since the foundation of the world. Then and only then can this world reflect the glory that is contained deep within it, hidden away by the fall of humanity since the moment of its birth. Only then will we acknowledge that the kingdom of God is come. So let us work 
for, for God's justice and God's peace. And may we know that in the end, God, Jesus already sits upon the throne and is preparing a place for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.